Uh, we're going to be a, a couple places. We're going to take a quick stop in Matthew 6, and then we are going to spend most of our time in Psalm 84. So if you want to mark one and then go find the other, uh, you'll have them both ready. We are in the second week of our series called When You Pray. And uh, we kicked this off last week. Um, as you might guess, it is a series about prayer. Okay? And so we started last week uh, just with this idea that, that as, um, and as God's people, as followers of Jesus, we should be people that are marked by prayer. All right? That's, uh, that's who we should be. And we, we looked last week at kind of the few verses that lead up to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And, and over and over again in that, uh, just those few verses, Jesus is saying, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. So it's not a matter of if we pray or if we decide to pray or uh, in case we're inclined to pray. It's when you pray, right? This is the expectation for God's people, when you pray. And so that's where we started last week. That's kind of the, the basis of the series. And then actually we spent some time last week looking at um, Really, before Jesus gets to the Lord's Prayer there in Matthew 6, he actually spends some time talking about how not to pray. Okay? So before he gives instruction, he starts with a, here's what not to do. Okay? And so just a couple, just to kind of recap us, uh, the first thing is he, he basically talks to us about just checking our motives when we pray. Right? He said that we don't pray to impress other people. Right? We don't pray so that others would be impressed by how spiritual we are or... Um, you know, how eloquent and articulate our prayers are. Like, that's not the goal of prayer, okay? And then he said, we don't pray to impress God, right? Because God is omniscient. We've already talked about this this morning, right? God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's all-hearing. He knows everything, right? He, he, before we even ask, God knows what we need, right? That was Matthew chapter 6, verse, I think that's verse 8, right? Before we even Ask, he knows what we need. So God's not impressed by our ability to, to just heap up a bunch of words or spend hours and hours and hours in prayer. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that. We would do well to spend more time in prayer. That's kind of how we started last week, right? I've, I've met very few people that are just like, you know what? I don't know that my prayer life can get any better than it is right now. Like, I just, I'm not that person. I haven't met many of those people. And so we would do well to spend more time in prayer. But the point was just that, 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 God does not answer us on the basis of our many words, all right? So those are some of the, the wrong motives for prayer. And, and really what Jesus got at in those first few verses last week was just man, how easy it is for us to make something as sacred as prayer about us, all right? It's easy for us to make prayer into something that, again, impresses others so that they, they see us or... Uh, it's easy for us to make prayer into this thing that we, we just kind of feel like we can twist God's arm so that we can really get what we want. And what Jesus is saying is that's not what prayer is about. Because as we see in the first couple verses of the Lord's Prayer is that, that prayer is really not about, primarily about us at all. It's about God. All right, so look at Matthew chapter 6. I should have marked it so I don't have to find it. Matthew chapter 6, first two verses of the Lord's Prayer We'll start here, then we're going to jump somewhere else. But here's what Jesus says. Verse 9. He says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? Jesus says, when you pray, we're praying, it's about God, right? Hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we have here in the, the, just the first couple of verses of the Lord's Prayer is, is what we see is that really the, the whole Lord's Prayer in general, Jesus is a model prayer. He's teaching us how to pray, but he's not so much giving us this exact process to pray or formula for prayer as much as he's giving us priorities for our praying. And so the first couple of verses here start with, right, the, the priority is God. He is the priority in our praying, right? Your will be done, right? Your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. Because where we, we start in this idea of, of prayer is that um, the priority of prayer is, is not what we can get by way of possessions, but what we get by way of God's presence. All right, that's where prayer begins. And so, um, if you will now turn to Psalm 84, and we're going to kind of work through it. We're, Psalm 84 is this psalm that, that really focuses on the, the benefit and the blessing of being in God's presence. Because right, that's what we're getting at this morning, talking about praying for God's presence. So, uh, let me read this, read Psalm 84, and then we'll back up and, and uh, unpack it a little bit. I still hear pages turning, which is encouraging to me. All right? That means you're, you're going to find it. I like it. Psalm 84. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Go ahead and cue the uh, Christian music song from the... <laughs> for, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield... The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Right, so looking at Psalm 84, um, a few years ago I read a chronological Bible reading plan uh, which just kind of reads through um, obviously the Bible in, in order, in the order of events as they happened. And one of the things that that did was it made the book of Psalms just kind of like pop off the page. Okay, so for example, you read in Psalms, uh, like some of the Psalms that David wrote, you read things about him saying, you know, I, I fear for my life. Uh, I'm, I'm hiding from wicked men who are trying to kill me. And the reason he wrote that is because he was literally hiding from men who were trying to kill him, right? Saul's trying to pin him to the wall with a spear, okay? And so like the reason I say that is I think it's helpful when we have the context of the psalm, I think it helps kind of bring it to life. And so for this particular 
psalm. All right, in, my, in my Bible, there's this italicized font right before verse 1. And it says that this is a psalm of the sons of Korah. All right? Anybody know who the sons of Korah are? Okay. Well, the sons of Korah can be traced a lot of different places back in Scripture. Okay, but there's at least some of them can be traced to, uh, to the temple. And what they were is they were essentially gatekeepers of the temple. Or, or in modern day uh, language, you would be like a custodian in the temple. Right? So sons, some of the sons of Korah um, were kind of employed in temple service at some of the lowest. Uh, I mean, I, if you're working in the temple, it's a pretty good gig, right? But, but they were like the lowest position there in the temple, right? The sons of Korah. And so um, what's interesting about that is this psalm, as they write about right, dwelling in God's house and in his presence and um, in his courts. And so when you know the context that these were, this was a psalm of, of these men, or the psalmist at least, was one of these sons of Korah who actually dwelled in the temple, lived in the temple, worked in the temple, uh, was in close proximity, right, that, that brings it to life because these are not just images, uh, not, not just poetry, right? It's, it's not totally just uh, kind of hyperbole. It's, it's actually, no, he lived in the temple. He actually dwelled near this place of God's presence. All right, when he, so when he talks about seeing birds in the temple, like it could be that he actually just saw birds flying around in the temple one day and used that right, to, to be part of the psalm. Okay? It just makes the psalm come to life to, to know that this is not just somebody writing about God's presence in theory, but it's someone who, who has spent time in close proximity to God's presence because that's what the temple was. Right? The temple was uh, the place where this manifestation of God's presence dwelt among his people. Okay? And, and the psalmist was there and was there often. All right? So from that, um, here's what we need to know for today, though. Right? There is no temple, right? at least not a structure of that sort. Because okay? we live under the new covenant, which means that uh, there, God does not, he no longer dwells in a temple. Right? We looked at Acts 17 a few weeks ago. God does not dwell in a temple made by human hands as though he needed anything. Right? Uh, God actually dwells within his people in the form of the Holy Spirit. Right? So you know the story of, of the crucifixion. If you're familiar with it, you've got this scene where Jesus is crucified. Uh, he dies. He breathes his last breath. And then you've got the temple uh, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, which is just symbolic of this place of God's presence is no longer, like we're no longer shut out of that. Like we have access to God's presence. And so where this kind of connects with the psalm here is, is he's writing about God's presence as this place, this like in close proximity there in the temple. And what we have is we've been invited into God's presence. Not because of anything good that we've done, not because of how awesome we are, but because of what Christ has done for us. In his death, his crucifixion, in his resurrection, God has, has provided a way for us to enter into his presence through trust in Jesus. Okay? So the question is, for us this morning, to kind of launch us into Psalm 84, is since we've been given access to God's presence, the question is, do we do we really desire it? Right? Do we, to use the language of the psalm, do we, do we long for it? 
Do we, to keep in language with the, the series we're in, do we pray for God's presence in our lives? Right? And, and what I hope to do today is to kind of lay before you from Psalm 84 reasons why we should desire God's presence, why we should long for God's presence, why we should pray for God's presence. All right? So the first one is this. In God's presence, there is joy. Right? Verses 1 and 2. Read this again. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So what you got here is this, the psalmist, right? He, he, using this language of just deep joy because he gets to spend his days in close proximity to God's presence. Right? There's a, a deep joy that, that he feels. This is what David would call, and I've, I've used this verse before several times, this is what David would call the fullness of joy. Right? Psalm 16, verse 11, David writes, In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. And that's kind of what he's getting at here, the psalmist. He's writing that, that man, how lovely are your dwelling places. Right? I, my soul longs to be in your courts. Why? Because they're a place of joy, right? of, of fullness of joy. And he says that that joy uh, overflows into singing. Right? Now, I said this last week. I want you to think with me, though. Like, what, can you imagine if, if this gathering of God's people each week was a place where where we came to experience fullness of joy because all week long we've been praying for God's presence in our lives and in our homes and in our church. And so that when we get here on Sunday, right, let, let me put it this way. I think oftentimes, and I'm going to say this from personal experience, so no judgment cast. I think oftentimes the, our posture towards Sunday is... Uh, it's been a hard week, right? It's been difficult. I have poured myself out in a million different ways. I mean, some of you guys, you had kids back at school this week and the, right, all the, the just logistical nightmares of trying to figure that out and there's a million things going on at work. And if you're like my house, my son stabbed himself yesterday. Um, I'm not kidding. Like we spent time in the ER. And so, right, like, like all the things of the week distract us and we spend our time just pouring ourselves out all week trying to connect the dots. And so when we get to Sunday, it's like, whew, I'm going to get my cup filled up again. And that's good. And if you're here this morning and you're like that, no judgment. I'm glad that you chose to come here this morning. But what I want to present to you is what if this was a place where we spent all week praying for God's presence in our lives, in our homes, in our church, so that when we get here on Sunday, it's just like this explosion of joy because we get together together and sing and worship. Amen. Right, wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. Think about, so uh, <laughs> I'm a music guy. This illustration may fall flat. We'll see. <laughs> crescendo. You guys know what a crescendo is? Yes. It's where the music gets louder. Right? It's like, it's, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the point in the song where everything is building. It's usually the point like where you can't hit the notes anymore, but you're willing to try in the safety of your own car. Okay? And the people next to you are like, what is going on over there? Should I call the hospital? Um, but my point is like, what if this gathering was the crescendo of our week? 
It'd be incredible. It'd be incredible. We spent all week praying for God's presence, and then we come here in this place, and we just overflow with joy and celebration and worship and praise. All right, it would be amazing. It might freak out some of the guests, but they would catch on. All right, it would be awesome. All right? So in God's presence, there is joy. Here's the next one. In God's presence, there is rest. All right, look at verses 3 and 4. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So the psalmist uses two, he uses birds, okay? It may have been because he saw birds actually flying around in the temple. Maybe this is just poetic imagery. Either way, okay, you've got, you've got two birds here. One stone. No, I'm kidding. There's two birds. The first one is the sparrow. Okay, now the sparrow throughout Scripture is kind of used as this symbol of, essentially of worthlessness. Right, when Jesus does some teaching in the New Testament, he talks about kind of the, you know, if God cares for the sparrow, how much more does he care for you? Right, the sparrow is a symbol of, of something that doesn't really hold a lot of, of, of value, at least, from, right, at least from our perspective. And so what he says here is even the sparrow, this this lowest of lows, right? The lowest of all God's creation, even, even that finds a home in God's presence, finds rest in God's presence, right? And then he also uses the swallow, right? The swallow, I had to look this up because I didn't know. I just assumed sparrows and swallows were kind of the same thing. Uh, swallows were, basically, they, they're uh, symbolic of just the idea of restlessness, Right, apparently swallows were these birds that from sunup to sundown are just flying, flittering around, like just wings moving all the time, just all over the place, right? And so what the psalmist says is that even there, right, e- even the swallow, this bird that's known for being restless and just like, even the swallow finds rest in God's presence. Now here's kind of the connection for us is that whether you feel worthless or you feel restless, right? whether you feel worthless or you're just weary, God's presence is a place for you to find rest. So maybe you come here this week and you have just blown it and you feel like you are a failure. In God's presence, there is rest. Or maybe you're here this week like I just talked about, and like, like you're just glad you made it here because it's been a tough week. You've been everywhere trying to get the kids to school and to practice and all these different places. And like just the fact that you made it here around the time frame for things to start, because you guys are a late-arriving crowd, let's be honest. The fact that you guys made it here, right? Maybe you're just weary. God's presence is a place of rest. Right? That's why Jesus writes in, in Matthew 11. Right? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Right? And all your working and all your striving and all your restlessness and all your... Come to me and I will give you rest. And I would argue that, that it's not that God's presence is a place of rest. I'm going to argue it's the only place you'll ever really find rest. 
right? Whether you, we look for rest in a million different ways, right? power, status, in our possessions, in our wealth. I mean, we go on and on and on. We look for rest in a million different ways. But the only place that we're going to find rest that, that satisfies like the deepest parts of our souls is in God's presence. Right? That's, that's whether you feel worthless, whether you feel weary, God's presence is a place of rest. That's why we want to pray for God's presence. So God's presence is a place of joy, a place of rest. Next, it's a place of strength, right? In God's presence, there is strength. Look at verses 5 through 7. It said, Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So the, the language here uh, is this idea of a pilgrimage. Okay, and if you go back again to the original context, there were those who would make the, the those that did not live near the temple, but would, would actually make the pilgrimage towards Jerusalem, towards the temple, so that they could engage in the worship and the celebrations and the feasts and festivals and all that sorts of stuff. And the language here is just talking about these, these people who right, are, are on their way to the temple. Basically, these are people that are pursuing God's presence. Right? But what he also uh, points out is he talks about this place called the Valley of Baca, which was um, this place that was, you could be translated as the Valley of Weeping. And so the, the point is that, that those who are traveling on their way to Jerusalem, like they're, they're going to go through uh, right, this, seasons of, or this valley of weeping. They're going to go through this dry, arid sort of environment. In other words, the, the, ja- the, the challenge, I just made up a word. I just combined journey and challenge in one, okay? Uh, the journey or the challenge, wouldn't, the journey would be challenging. That's probably a better way to say it, okay? The journey would be a challenging one. Right, And I read that, I'm like, is, is that not a perfect illustration of the Christian life? Because, right? again, we're not, we're not fully in God's presence yet in terms of like close physical proximity to him. Though we talked about that a few weeks ago, the last week of our, our summer vacation series. We talked about we're heading towards a new Jerusalem like in God's presence. So we're not fully there yet, although we have access to God's presence. We're not fully there yet. We're journeying towards that, but it's not an easy journey. If you've been following Jesus for more than 17 minutes, you know that it's not easy. Following Jesus, I I quit, I can't talk. (laughs) Following Jesus is not like this this easy path. I would argue that that the second you sign up to follow Jesus, it's going to get a lot harder. Right? You read through the Gospels, there's moments where Jesus actually tries to talk people out of following him. Why? Because it's difficult. It's hard. Right? There are seasons, there are seasons of weeping in following Jesus. There are seasons that, that feel dry and desolate. There are difficult parts of the path as we, as we move towards this place where we will one day uh, be in the fullness of his presence. Like, there's challenges. And what the psalmist is saying here is just that there's, 
even in that, even in the difficulty, even in the, the mourning and the grieving and the weeping and the challenges, God provides strength. Right? He says that, that those who, who are pursuing God's presence, it says that they go from strength to strength. Almost this idea of just every step of the way, God supplies strength for those who are pursuing him, pursuing his presence. Right? In God's presence, there is strength. For those who are pursuing God's presence, there is strength. Right? God does not promise that the journey will be easy, but he does promise that there will be strength for the journey. Because in God's presence, there is strength. Right? The last two, probably move through maybe a little more quickly. We'll see how it goes. Um, because we're actually going to kind of give each one of these their own week specifically in the, the weeks to come. But look at verses 8 and 9. It says, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield. O God, look on the face of your anointed. This is the idea that in God's presence there is protection. So, again, I talked about when you sign up to follow Jesus, it doesn't get easier. If anything, it's harder. And that's because... When you follow Jesus, you've, you've tied to your, your allegiance to God, which means that like, God's enemies now become your enemies. So what we're doing is we're, we're engaging in, when we sign up to follow Jesus, to pursue God, to pursue his presence, what we're doing is we're signing up for spiritual warfare. Right? And it's like, again, that language kind of wigs some of us out sometimes, but like it's a very real thing like when you follow Jesus when you're pursuing God's presence like what the, like the reality is man you're, you're signing up for spiritual warfare you're, you're you're signing up for a battle against what Paul would call the uh, the demonic forces like demonic spiritual powers in the heavenly places that's a very real thing spiritual warfare and so the what we we like sometimes we, we like this idea of Okay, we're engaging in spiritual warfare. We're going into battle, right? God's on my side, and it's true, he is, right? And we like this idea of victory and conquering, and, right, we'll sing about that, and we'll watch movies about that, and we'll read about that, and it's true. But what we can forget is that in spiritual warfare, the enemy shoots back, right? Now, there's promised victory, but it doesn't mean that we don't take some, some hits along the way. And so what we need is a shield, right? That's what the psalmist says. Behold our shield. Pursuing God's presence means engaging in spiritual warfare, which means getting shot at by the enemy. And sometimes what we need more than anything is not, uh, not to come out with guns blazing and right... You've heard the, the language about charging hell with a water gun, you know, all that language. We like that, but sometimes what we need is actually just to curl up in the foxhole under the shield of the one who's already won the war. God is our shield. Because in his presence, there is protection. Here's the last one. In God's presence, there is provision. All right, verses 10 and 11. It says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So throughout the Psalms, again, if you kind of read through them, one of the themes that, that comes up over and over again is this idea of the, the perceived prosperity of the wicked. So whether it's David writing the psalm or whoever the psalm, psalmist might be, uh, there are many times throughout the psalms and even outside of the psalms where, where the authors will look and they'll see those who are wicked or evil and they'll see them. It seems like they are prospering in their wicked and in their evilness. And so the psalmist will just ask questions, right? Like, God, why do they prosper? Right? Why, do they, why do they look like they're winning? And so you, you see that language here just in the fact that the psalmist says he would rather dwell in the house of the Lord in close proximity to God's presence than dwell in the, the tents with the wicked, which is his way of saying, remember, he's, a, he's a, a gatekeeper. He's a custodian in the temple. He's saying, I would rather... I would rather dwell down here and be in God's presence than dwell with the wicked in prosperity. Because the reality is that in God's presence, I'm provided with all that I need. And I'm talking, I'm talking deeper than just our physical needs. Right? We have physical needs. We have material needs. God knows those things. That's also later on in in Matthew chapter 6, right? Do not be anxious. God knows what you need. Right? He, he clothes the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. How much more will he take care of you? But what I'm getting at is this idea of provision is the things that our souls need the most, the things that we've talked about this morning, joy, rest, strength, protection, God provides those things to his people. And he provides them as we seek his presence. Right? So it, it may not feel prosperous to you to seek his presence when you look over here and the, the, the wicked seem to get everything they want, all, just all the material things they need. Everything looks like it's going awesome. But what, and their souls are empty. Souls are empty. Which is why he says, Here's what I found dwelling in God's presence, that he does not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. In other words, for those that are seeking him, those that are pursuing his presence, he withholds nothing that they really need. Joy, rest, strength, protection, all those come in God's presence. So, one more verse here, right? Verse 12. And this is where we'll kind of finish out this morning. Verse 12 says this, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. All right, so my question to you this morning is just, do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to seek his presence in your life? All right, if, if you're here this morning, let me first, let me just say this. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. Is the thing that your soul desperately needs the most is, is God's presence.
presence in your life. And you will not get that by trying harder or being better. Right? Those are not ways into God's presence. The only way into God's presence, the only way to have access to God's presence is through Jesus. His death on the cross in your place for your sin by trusting in him. Trusting that when he said it is finished on the cross, that, that he paid for all your sins, that he actually paid for all your sins. You're trusting in Jesus' death on the cross in your place for you. And you're trusting that he was raised from the dead to give you victory over sin. If you've never done that this morning, I would love, love to tell you more about that. Because that's the only way into God's presence. Both, both here, here on this side of eternity, but more importantly for the other side of eternity. It's only through Jesus. So if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, I would just invite you to that this morning. But then for what I, what I think is probably the larger portion of our crowd is, is do you trust the Lord? And I mean specifically, along these things we've talked about this morning, do you trust that, that in God's presence there is joy? Or have you been searching for joy in other places? Because if you, you, can, you can find fleeting pleasures in other places, but you will not find uh, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. That's only in God's presence. Right? Do you trust God for rest? Or are you looking to other things? Maybe once you get a certain number in your bank account, or once you get to some perceived level of of status in your career or, or when you get to this, that, or the other, right? Are you looking for that as your marker of, okay, when I get here, then I can really rest. Because again, what I'm arguing is that real rest, the kind of rest that your soul needs is only found in God's presence. What about strength? Do you trust God to supply you with the strength that you need? And no matter what you're walking through in life, and I don't want to minimize any of that because we all go through different things at different times and different seasons. And like we talked about, following Jesus is hard. Just life in general is hard. But do you trust that God will supply the strength for the journey? Protection. What do you need protection from? We'll talk more about this in the next few weeks as well, but... What are you looking for is your sense of protection. Again, is it, is it if I, I envelop myself in, uh, uh, as long as I've got enough money, I can take care of myself, that'll protect me from the, uh, the things of this world. As long as I've uh, reached some level of status, then I'm protected because then I'm in charge and everybody else, they don't got anything, they don't got anything for me. Or maybe it's I'm going to retreat into darkness away from everybody because if I'm back here by myself, then I'm protected. And what I'm arguing is that it's only in God's presence that, that we really receive protection under the shield of the one who's already won the war. So the question to you this morning, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, is do you trust that God will give all good things to those who pursue his presence? And if you believe that, then we want to pray for his presence. Pray for his presence in your life. 
We want to pray for his presence in your homes. Pray for his presence in our church. We want to be a people who are longing for, fainting for, pursuing, and praying for God's presence. So let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you and... Lord, we want your presence. I want your presence. Lord, I, we cannot do this thing that you've called us to. We cannot walk through life and whatever that looks like for us apart from your presence. Because, Father, we, we desperately need joy. We desperately need rest. <clears throat> we desperately need strength. We desperately need protection. So Father, we want to trust that you would provide all those things as we seek you. So Father, I pray that you would make us into a people who are like the psalmist, who long for your presence, who desire your presence. Make us a people who pray for your presence. So Father, I pray that as we go throughout our weeks, our days this week, that you would make us mindful or to stop and pray and just to ask you to lead us and to guide us and to direct us and to strengthen us, to comfort us, to convict us, to challenge us. All of that's found in your presence. Father, if there's one here this morning that, that doesn't know you as Savior, or they, they, they don't have that access to your presence yet, I, I, I pray that some word that was said this morning would move them to repent to trust in Jesus, Lord, so that, that your presence would be available to them, not through what they've done, but through what Christ has done for them. So, Father, I pray that you'd be honored this morning. Help us to respond as you would have us to respond. Give us the courage to do so. We pray and ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.